as we experience the moments in our lives and recognize the fact that you never let us down, that we would be obedient to your Holy Spirit and use whatever we have to bring people to your throne and across the threshold of eternity. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever, have you ever met anyone that can fix almost anything? Um, when we first moved here, our, our, our washer broke. Maybe it was the way it was put in. And, and boy, there's nothing worse than when you first move and all of a sudden your, your clothes are dirty and you need to figure out how to get them clean. And, and, and uh, one of our members, Sean, came over and he's like, yeah, I think I can fix that. I'm like, really? It's like blowing up and stuff. It's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, let me, let me take it. He comes over, takes it, puts it in his truck, comes back a couple of days later, goes, I, I think it's fixed. We're like, wow, it's amazing. And sure enough, it's been working ever since. Unbelievable. It works uh, amazingly. We've had this lawnmower that's been broken for years. And it hasn't been started for years. And he says, hey, I heard your lawnmower was broke just a couple of weeks ago. He says, let me take it with me and see if I can fix it. I go, you know, this thing hasn't started for years. He says, let me see what I can do. He takes it. And he fixes it, and now it starts off like that. I'm like, I can't believe, now i got to do the grass. It's unbelievable how good he is at fixing things. Have you ever met people like that? We have people like that in our church. I try to fix things, and they break. Sean fixes things, and he's amazing at it. What if, what if the most broken thing in your life was suddenly fixed? And maybe the brokenness isn't a lawnmower. And maybe your brokenness isn't, isn't a washing machine. Maybe it isn't even something mechanical. Maybe your brokenness is from uncertainty. Maybe your brokenness is from not having direction. Not having any sense of your future. Maybe your brokenness is a crippled relationship with your spouse or with your children with your parents or with your friend. Maybe your brokenness during this pandemic is not even the virus. Maybe it's a financial brokenness. Or perhaps, perhaps some of you may, may be out there that are listening to this are fighting the virus. Or maybe you're fighting something even worse than that. And it's sucking the life out of you. Maybe the most broken thing in your life cannot be seen by others on the outside and nobody even knows that you're broken. You're broken on the inside and you're lonely and you're confused and you're afraid and you're unfulfilled and you live each day just one day at a time because if you ventured much further than that one day, well, that would just crush you. And all you want is to make it through that one day. But what if one day, totally unexpected, your brokenness was miraculously 
and suddenly healed. How would you handle your new reality? What if the most broken thing in your life was suddenly fixed? It was an ordinary day, we are told. A day just like any other day. Brothers had gotten them out of bed and gotten them dressed like they had every other day. And his friends on their way to work had carried him to his usual spot at the temple gate. It was just an ordinary day. The sky wasn't any bluer. The birds didn't sing any louder. The sun didn't shine any brighter. It was just a day like any other day. And as he lay with his shriveled, twisted leg extended in front of him, he watched as people walked by. He watched as children were laughing and playing, as children ran by. And he sighed, just like on any other day he would. Usually when parents are expecting, they're waiting to feel the baby kicking. But this baby had never kicked. In fact, they had wondered if he was even alive. But he was, and he was born. But he was broken from birth. He never knew what it was like to walk, we are told. So he didn't miss it. We are told that he looked down at the useless limbs stretched out on the dirt before him, and he knew that they were his, but he had never felt them, never moved them. It was like dragging luggage all his life. This was his reality for 40 years. Now I want you to think about this. And today was just another day, no better, no worse than all the other days that had made up the life of this crippling, crippled beggar. And he was negotiating the hazards and risks of being ridiculed, stepped on, and rejected. But this day, without any warning, would become a day that he would never forget. He doesn't know. He's just there. He's doing his thing. Today would become a new reality for him. We pick up the story in the book of Acts as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, and we begin with verse chapter 1. 3, beginning with verse chapter 1, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So this is something that they did regularly. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in each day. He was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. Maybe he was picky. I don't know. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. He had gotten pretty good at this. He knew how to detect the generous ones. He knew how to tell the semblance of guilt 
He can pick up the compassionate look. He knew what to say. He knew how to say it. He knew who to say it to. He knew where to be. And if they didn't give on the way in, maybe they would give on the way out. He didn't mind being dependent on his wits to persuade. He didn't mind being dependent on his friends to carry him. He didn't mind being dependent on religiosity to get people to church. He didn't mind being dependent on guilt or pity to get people to give. He didn't mind being a professional beggar. That's how he paid his rent. That's what he did. He was actually very good at it. But this ordinary day would be written about by no ordinary doctor and read about by millions upon millions of people all over the world, all through the ages, people like you and I, and he had no idea that 2,000 years later, you and I would be reading about him, this ordinary guy, this crippled beggar. This day would take this man by surprise. From being a beggar destined for an obscure life, an obscure death, and would thrust them over the threshold of eternity by an unstoppable force of the Holy Spirit. This was an amazing moment. And the story is told right there. And the Bible says that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for some money. Now, I want you to think about that. He asked for some money. I wonder how many times do we settle for less than what God has for us? Because that's what we're used to. We ask for crumbs when he wants to give us a bakery. We ask for notes when he wants to give us a song. We ask for morsels of temporary happiness when he wants to give us a feast of permanent, everlasting joy. Well, Pastor Sergio, I think you're being a little bit unfair. He was just being realistic. Can I be honest with you? I am so tired of hearing this word realistic. I've been hearing it a lot lately. And I think more and more it's becoming synonymous with the word faithless. Oh, we're just being realistic. We can't spend that money. It's just being realistic. What, what is happening to the church that Christ, who owns the cattle in a thousand hills, I mean, what, what, is, what is going on today when we can't even make decisions based on faith? When we settle for less, we not only rob ourselves of life, of the life that God designed us for us, but we rob those around us of the blessings that God wants to pour through us. And like the great theologian Will Smith once said, being realistic is the most common path to mediocrity. And so the story continues. Peter and John looked at him intently. I think sometimes we've lost this art of looking at people intently. People don't like to be looked at intently. I like it. 
I like looking at people intently. I like making people nervous that way. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Look at me. You know, like that kind of a thing. Look at us. The lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting what? Some money. Expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any money. I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. I love that. No silver and gold, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. Silver and gold might have bought this man some dinner and maybe even some wine, but that's not what Peter wants to give him. Peter sought to feed his broken soul. On this day, when this beggar was asking for a few pennies, he got some legs. How cool is that? When he said, brother, can you spare a dime? Peter said, no, you deserve much more. I want to give you peace. I want to give you assurance. I want to give you Jesus Christ. And you and I can do the same. People need that. People deserve that. Join our weakness to Christ's strength. Join our ignorance to his wisdom. Join our unworthiness to his righteousness. Join our poverty to his awesome wealth. Together we can unleash unstoppable potential. Can I be honest with you? I am so tired of preaching these sermons and seeing people not responding in faith. I feel like these are just becoming words. I am so tired of not living this life. Can Jesus still do these things? Somebody say amen to that. Somebody just type it out. Just say amen right there. I mean, I believe Jesus can still do this. If not, we're just playing a game. We're just playing church. I don't have time to play church anymore. On this day, this man's life changed. One minute he was half a man, the next he was whole. One minute he was crippled, the next he was healed. One minute he was an outcast, the next the most popular. One minute he was a beggar, the next he was a dancer. Now here's a question. How would he respond to this new reality. For 40 years, all he knew how to do was begging. And now he's got to get a job. Like, I got to cut the grass. He now can get from point A to point B without assistance. No one to carry him. No one to pity him. Now he can go to church not to beg, but to worship, to buy shoes. This is going to sound foolish to some of you, but just hear me out. I wonder how many of us have gotten used to, or too used to, staying at home. After all, worshiping in our pajamas is a lot more comfortable, isn't it? I wonder how many of us will struggle with getting back to our 
routine. I wonder how many of us will struggle with getting back to work again like we used to when the virus is gone. See, here's what I think. I think some of us find our identity in being crippled. And we want the pity party. And we want people to feel bad about us. And we get married to that cause. And we champion the cause of the pity party. And we limit ourselves. And we never, ever experience the healing that God has for us. My hope and my suspicion is that like this man, most of us will be leaping and praising God. Amen? The Bible says, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. Did you catch that? He took the lame man by his hand and helped him up. It's okay to do that. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened, and he jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. <laughs> I'm glad that this verse says nothing about people shutting this man down. That this verse says nothing about them saying, hey, 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 what are you doing dancing in the church? What are you doing praising God so loudly? What are you doing being so disrespectful? And I love this idea that, that Luke puts in there. I, I like this. That, you know, he didn't have to put this in there, but this whole concept of, of, of this man holding on to Peter and John so tightly. I'll never forget the day that I baptized Charlie. Most of us know Charlie. I'll never forget when we came out of the water and he gave me that embrace. I thought he would never let me go. And, and, and I'm just holding on to him and he's just embracing me. I'll never, I'll never forget that embrace. Holding on tightly. Tightly. I love that. God wants us to be spirit-filled people Imparting expectancy. Look at us, he says. Spirit-filled people imparting healing. What I have. Spirit-filled people imparting joy, leaping and praising God. Spirit-filled people that are instruments of wonder, all amazed. And once again, Peter becomes an opportunist. And he goes into preaching and he starts to say, why are you surprised? 
If this is all Jesus, this isn't us. We didn't do this. Jesus did this. Whom you crucified. He says it again. And, you, and he resurrected. He's the one that healed this man. I love the fact that he doesn't take credit. It's amazing what you can get done if you don't care who gets the credit. And the credit all goes to Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about him. The church leaders come in the point here, and now they arrest John. They arrest Peter. At this point, the Bible says there are over 5,000 converts. What on earth is going on? The church is unstoppable. The Bible says that the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious laws met in Jerusalem. These are all the important people. Annas the high priest was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of high priests. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Apparently didn't hear him the first time. By what power have you done this? Have you ever played softball? Uh, back in the days, I remember playing softball. And there was always, I used to be on this uh, team. Uh, we used to, I used to, many of you have heard me talk about uh, being, uh, working for this uh, camp for special uh, education. And we used to play other groups from other special education teams. And we would always do pretty good. And uh, I remember there was this one team we would play, and I, I would always hope this one, I'd always get this one pitcher because. Uh, she would always give me this just perfect pitch. And sure enough, one time, man, she gave me this perfect pitch, and I just hit that thing right out of the park back in the days. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This was the perfect pitch for, for uh, Peter. By what power, really? You're going to give me this pitch? You're going you're gonna to let me preach on this? No problem. <laughs> Home run. And he preaches on Jesus. And he preaches and he, and he says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? <clears throat> Do you want to know how he was healed? Well, let me clearly state to you all, and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene. The man you crucified, he repeats it over and over again. But whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, now catch this as we close this. The stone that you builders rejected now has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is a rabbinical story that the rabbis knew that Peter was referring to. and It was based on Psalm 122. It was about a thousand years before Christ, and King Solomon 
built a temple in Jerusalem, and all the stones from the temple were pre-cut at the quarry and then delivered to the site. And you could read about it in the, in the Old Testament, the first book of Kings. And one day, the story says that a shipment arrived that included a large stone that had a very unique shape to it. And the foreman and the construction administrator, the architect, the priest in charge of the work, they looked at the stone and they said, what are we supposed to do with this? They must have made a mistake at the quarry. So the, the builders took this unusual stone and they cast it to the side. And they went on with their work till it was time to finish up the great beam over the holy place. And the work was all being supported by scaffolding up, up by once the rafter was done, they removed the building that would stand by itself, but they needed to have this one capstone or the cornerstone. They couldn't find it anywhere. And then finally, someone said, what about that, that uniquely shaped stone that, that's in the rubbish pit that we keep saying no to? Would that fit there? That cannot fit there. And then they went for it, and they looked at that rejected stone, and they brought it back and lifted it up, and sure enough, it was an exact fit. The stone that the builders rejected turned out to be the cornerstone, the capstone of the whole temple. And that's what Peter was referring to as he was quoting what Jesus was quoting. And Jesus was quoting what Psalm 122 was quoting. It was a story about this cornerstone that kept being rejected by the builders as Jesus was rejected. And he was saying, look, you rejected Jesus. You rejected him. But there is no salvation by no other name. Now, some of you guys, listen, I know. I know you keep rejecting. You keep thinking there's another stone. You keep thinking there's another way. And God is patient, and he keeps allowing you to try different things. But there is no other name that you will be able to experience the joy and peace of salvation than the joy and peace of salvation that you will find through Jesus Christ. Will you give your life to him today? Pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, please help us, Lord, to let go of the victim mentality Help us, Lord, to stop limiting ourselves, Lord. Help us to accept not just the little pennies that we look for, but to accept, Lord, the, 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 the amount of healing that you want to do for our brokenness. Most of all, Lord, help us to accept that cornerstone in our lives. that can put us right and build a foundation for our lives and our families. May we experience salvation and may we experience healing as we have never experienced it before. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.
God bless. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, He is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. 